Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast. Um, Sean Cows is out this week, so we've got Nate, a returning host, joining me today. Um, so I guess I'm going to skip the intro because I've already missed it. So uh, how are you feeling about this week, Nate? It was pretty good for you. I was feeling 50-50 about the week until the basically the very last play, the very last meaningful play of the entire NFL week on Monday Night Football when Matt Stafford threw a goal line touchdown pass to Tutu Atwell that won me. uh, Well, I already had the head-to-head matchup secured because Max was the lowest scoring team on the week, but it took the sixth and final league median spot to secure me the 2-0 week and actually made the difference between my place in the standings now, which is first place overall, humble brag there, and I think I would have been four and two and somewhere between like second and fourth if that had not happened. So yeah, it's Feeling good. funny. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually watching um, mine and Scott's match pretty closely because I kept like adding up the numbers like, OK, whoever me and Scott wins, like that'll be the median win and it'll be a two and a win. And then the, the, the touchdown pass happened and you're like, hey, I just took median win from you. Um, and I was like, well, there goes Scott's median win. I guess he's just going one and one. So. Um, yeah, Scott was up way. too because I, I I think what I said was it wasn't pretty, but we got her done. And Scott instantly came into the chat and said, "Yeah, well, you just passed me for the league median win." And I said, yeah. "Oh, Scott, I know." <laughs> we were both <laughs> watching was it. Watching. It's funny. We were talking a little bit before this, um, and and the dropped uh, bomb to Puka, the underthrown uh, pass from Stafford to Puka, gave basically gave you the median win and me the loss. Um, yeah, you would have won so, your matchup with Scott, and you would have taken that six six median spot. Yep, that one pass. I guess those two plays took me from <laughs> four and two to two and four, and uh, not in a great position for the rest of the year. Sad for you, fun for me. Yeah, I know that's that's football though. Um, yep. All right, cool. So. I guess we'll just skip to uh, big big fantasy headlines this week, and and really the only thing that we have major to talk about is the Miami absolutely mollywhopping the Broncos. Um, I'm curious what what your thoughts on that were, Nate. I think there's a few things. Uh, one, I think that it's one of those things that both things can be true type of situation. One is that I, I think it's safe to say, or at least fair to say, that Miami's offense is going to be the best all-around offense to own players for in fantasy football. They're the best offense for fantasy. And that is an outlier game. That is not going to happen again. Yeah, I think I think for me... You're right. The Miami offense just looks electric. I mean, there's no there's no really way to to, to sugarcoat it. Um, they're a strong offense, and they they would not have beat the the Broncos in that fashion had they not been as good as they are. Right. But you're absolutely right. I think that to expect like 150 some points out of all of them again is probably a little bit unrealistic. Um, and I think you're underselling it by quite a bit with 150. I don't have the exact math, but I, I think it was quite a bit more. I actually did the math just for the running backs because I made an offhanded comment of like who had the the Miami backfield putting up 100 points today. And then I kind of wanted to double check myself between Devon A-Chain or A-Chan, Raheem Mostert, and 
I forget what the last guy's name is. I think it's like Greg Brooks or something like that. Chris okay. Brooks. That was the third act of running back in that game. He scored, I think, 6.6 fantasy points. Mm-hmm. So all three of those, just the three running backs, put up 103.1 PPR fantasy points this past week. And that, I am confident, that is an all-time record in terms of yeah. a backfield scoring the most points in a single game. And I think it's even funnier that it was the Miami backfield because leading into the season, all the talk. Nobody like, wanted nobody them. Want, yeah, yeah, nobody wanted just them. Just a three-headed monster. And then like now they had this a monster game and you're confidently starting probably all of the backfield besides their like third stringer, right? There's no way you don't start a chain moving forward because they've so got let, work them in. Let me ask you this, Sean, uh, just right off the bat since we're already talking about Miami. What is more shocking to you if I told you this Three weeks ago, before the season actually started, we had a crystal ball, and I told you, three weeks from now, Raheem Mostert will be the number one overall uh, player in fantasy, the number one scorer. Mm -hmm. Would that be more surprising, or would it be more surprising if I told you that Raheem Mostert will be the number one overall scorer, and Devon Achan will be the number six, I think he's number six, overall running back at the same time three weeks in yeah the second one i probably honestly probably both if i'm being completely clear it, it's tough to pick a, a a most surprising there i think that the second one devon a chan really hurts me the most because i drafted him and was planning on holding him but i needed to free up roster space because of injuries this last week and i dropped him because he was a healthy scratch week one and then just didn't see the field week two and then, of course, you scoop him up out of the waiver wire, and he puts up fifty points on your bench. Like, um, so that that one hurt me and surprises me because, like, I was really confident that he was just not going to see the field, you know, at least for a meaningful amount of time. Eventually, I assumed he was because somebody would get hurt. I did not expect him to put up and and score like he did today, or excuse me, Sunday. I'm sure he's going to come up again at least one more time on the episode, but I will say while I'm thinking about it. That the trade that you and I made, I think it was the first trade of the year with Waddle and Najee and Puka. I remember you asked me to get Jalen Warren into the deal for my side. Who else would I want from your team? And I actually was between, back at that time, Zach Charbonnet. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the last name correctly, but uh, Zach Charbonnet. But the other guy that I was looking at was Devon Achan, uh, because I had Jeff Wilson on IR, who I drafted pretty late in the draft if I recall correctly and just threw him on IR. But I was I, I was looking at Devon Achan more more so because I had already rostered Jeff Wilson at that point, which is I think ultimately why I decided on Zach Charbonnet. Yeah. Because I thought that he was the better player. But uh a guy that I had some interest in even as much as like two weeks ago or whenever we made that trade. And obviously when the cost was free and I had an open roster spot I was happy to throw him on the bench, did not expect 51 points, but here we are. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought he was a good a good hold. Like, even when I dropped him, I was like, man, I really don't want to drop him. But And, and I don't want to get too into my thoughts here because I don't think it's the point of this, but I I, I was between dropping him and um, Eliza Mitchell. Is that um, the yep. name escaping me? And I was just like, okay, running backs are getting hurt. I'd rather cuff CMC than the, the Dolphins' backfield. So I kept him and, and, and dropped it on A-Chain. Because I needed the space because I had, at that point, Richardson had gotten hurt. I was rostering uh, Monty and Zay Jones, who were all hurt. And I just needed needed the space, you know? 
And so funny that you bring up Elijah Mitchell. He was actually for like a half a second, also a guy that I considered in that yep. you know who would you who would you need for Jalen Warren question. But then I saw who rosters CMC, which is Kevin. I know that Kevin doesn't ever make any trades, and that was kind of the point of the deciding factor of who I wanted to go for was who would a guy be that I could potentially flip in a deal later on. Um, right. Elijah Mitchell, as soon as I saw that Kevin rostered CMC, was like, yeah, that's a no contest. Kevin's <laughs> yeah. never going to make a trade, especially not yeah. for a backup running back. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I, think at the time, too, like I was, I'm still a little shaky on my running back room. Um, I'm, I'm more comfortable than I was. And so I was like, okay, I need somebody that's like talented. If he gets hurt, I, or if the lead back gets hurt, I can actually play. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so I see that the fantasy headline segment in parentheses says quick takes on the talking points of the week. We certainly did not make quick takes, but uh, we got our yeah, fix in talking about the Miami offense. And yeah, I think I think unfortunately there's there's not a lot you can do to quickly talk about the Miami offense this week. You know, um, scoring seventy do, points. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's just tough not. to have real quick thoughts on that. But we can move it along to trades. Uh, trades this week. So the first one we have was me shocking i know um was ford i received ford and gabe davis and nick got james connor um i can give you my thoughts but i think that's less interesting than hearing what your thoughts on it are so if you want to lead us off um i thought that this was fine for the most part to be clear i would i would prefer connor the most of these three players and i think that to to reveal a little bit of my hand and Nick's hand, because I think Nick and I are wired pretty similarly when it comes to our approach to fantasy, our approach to trading, what have you. I think that uh, the general, I don't want to say general strategy, but the general intuition for us is to be getting the best player in the deal. And that's not to say that we're trying to turn garbage into treasure. I don't think that that's the intention most of the time and that's not what i'm suggesting that nick did here but i think it's always to take like two let's call them b assets and turn them into a b plus or a minus asset and i think that that's exactly what this deal is and i'm probably actually rating each of the three pieces a little bit too highly in that analogy i think in reality james connor is probably like a b to b plus type of asset and Jerome Ford, I'm encouraged by what he did in this first game post Nick Chubb. But at the time of the trade, I would say that he was probably a C plus asset. And just because Gabe Davis burned me with his inconsistency last year, I would also probably rank him as a as a kind of like a C plus asset. Yeah. Since the trade, I would say that uh, Jerome Ford has boosted his uh, staying power, for lack of a better way to put it, in my mind, to be more in that like B minus maybe creep up to just that middle road B type of asset. So I think that this is a very fine trade. And then there's always the injury risk with James Conner too. So even though I like him the most of the three, it's certainly not without its risks, you know, despite him not having any, any competition for touches in that Arizona backfield. So I I think Max made some good points after the trade that you two made, which we'll talk about here in a second of what you were looking to do with your team through this series of moves going from me to Nick to Max and completing the Holy Trinity of trading with the Andrews brothers. I know. Uh, And and it was really, I think to get some depth on your team, which was needed coming out of the draft. So I, I like what both of you did. 
I would just say if you're looking at the trade in a vacuum and not considering team context on either side, I would rank the players James Conner number one, Jerome Ford number two. And for me, just because I'm not a big fan of him, Gabe Davis is a distant third. Yeah. So, I, and I, I, for what it's worth, I agree with you. Like in my head, and I hate to reveal too much of my like trading hand moving forward, I'm at a point now where I can comfortably try to start bundling guys and getting into that like better tier of players because my depth, I'm not a, I'm not a puddle anymore. And that's really what this came down to. I had two thoughts moving into this, and it's kind of the same reason I took your Puka deal in, at the end. Is like I want to take risks on some of these guys that are not necessarily we're not confident in, but I think that they're in a good situation because I could get them for cheaper than like being like, hey, Nate, I want uh, Garrett Wilson whenever before Aaron Rodgers got hurt. You know what I mean? And so for me. I was hoping that Ford panned out to about the same as Connor. And then really it's just in my mind, I got Gabe Davis, whether that plans out or not. I don't know yet, you know? Yeah, no. And I think that that's a, that's a completely fair mindset. I always like to think of, since I'm a guy that trades quite often, and I think now it's fair to classify you as a guy that that trades quite often. We have a couple other of those in the league as well. My general, uh, viewpoint on trading is that there are essentially there's there's multiple ways to get there even within these two methods but my mind in, in fantasy sports in general is that there are two ways to be successful trading and you have to nest you have you kind of have to have luck of circumstance for either one to work one is to acquire a lot of quality assets, not necessarily superstar mega impact assets, but a lot of quality assets. And then as the season goes on, condensing that number, that high number of quality assets into the megastar talents. Or you can go the reverse way of just focusing on getting the megastar talents and kind of going studs and scrubs, and as the season goes on, focus on building depth behind those guys. And I say that you kind of need a little bit of luck of circumstance for either one of those two things to work out, because let's say you're in a situation like my team is in right now, where I think that I have the deepest team in the league in terms of the highest number of players that are legitimate starting players in a vacuum in fantasy lineups. But I don't necessarily think that I have the best lineup because I don't think that my team is capable of putting up say 200 points like Kevin's team just did this past week. You know, I can fix that as the season goes on by condensing a couple of those stars or not stars, but those quality players on my bench with other quality players on my team into getting some mega stars that would improve my lineup, but I need willing participants on the other side of that hypothetical transaction. I need people to make those mega stars available. It's the same way with the strategy that I described before. The antithesis of that is like, I may be able to start with three or four megastars. And in theory, it sounds nice to say, oh, I'll just build depth behind them as the season goes on. You need a willing participant in the other side of the transaction to be able to trade you depth. Yeah. So it can work or it cannot work. Yeah. I mean, but that's at the end of the day, that's, that's what fantasy is, right? Like you gotta, you gotta try to make the move. Um, and luckily we have, I found that we have a lot of people in this league that are willing to trade, but not all of them will open up negotiations on, you you know, if you're, if you reach out to people, they'll respond, but you're not going to get 
like a message like, Hey, I have this trade idea. I think outside of like you. And then there's a handful of other people that will text me or message me like, Hey, I have this thought, you know? Um, Yeah. I would say that there's probably a third or less of the league that is kind of willing to put themselves out on a limb. Uh, A good example is I was having a discussion today with another manager. They said, what's the price on X player and Y player? two players that are very similar that they just wanted to know basically who was going to be more expensive. I didn't give a general answer. I literally put together three offers for each of the two players and said, Hey, I would do any of these three offers for each of these two players. I guarantee, I don't want to say I guarantee. I am willing to bet that there are maybe one or two other managers in the league that would go as far as to put themselves out on the limb of responding instantly with enough confidence to say, Hey, I would accept any of these six hypothetical offers if you put them in my inbox right now. Yep. There's just not a lot of people that are, and that's not a brag. It's just a different style, a different personality of managing your team. To your point, of uh, there's not a lot of people that are kind of willing to put themselves out there uh, and, like, I guess, hang their hat on their own creative trade offers, if you will. Yeah. Well, I think it's that too. And, and, not to belabor the point too, like a lot of people get stuck on the team they drafted and they, they don't want to move away from that for whatever reason, where I, I kind of view the players on my team as like, these are just assets to move around to get at the end of the day, I'm looking for the best possible combination that I can put together. And I'm not exactly. married to like, Oh, I love Mahomes, So I'm going to stick with Mahomes forever. If somebody's like, Hey, I'll give you my whole team for Mahomes, I'll take that, you know? Yep. So um, I think anyway. I've got my, my, my fix in on pontificating my trade philosophy and we're only, yeah, I don't even I know. know. Probably 15 know. minutes into the episode. so Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we do need to move this along. So we'll move to the next trade. Um, this next one is, uh, I'm, I actually mixed it up. So Scott is going to receive Sam Howell, Olave, Drake London, and David Njoku. And Max will receive Jared Goff, Higby, Moss, Woods, and Barkley. Um, I guess I'll take this one first. Um, because I'm in the next one. So I actually, yeah. I don't mind this trade. Uh, I, I once again, I think that it's the same deal as you said. I think that Max received the best player in the trade at Barkley, and that's good for him. Barkley is hurt. Um, you know, it looks like he'll be back Monday, but there's, I think it, that's right, he was day-to-day. So there, there is a little bit of inherent risk on, like, does Max want to worry about, like, starting Barkley this week or not? Um, but I, I, I do, once again, like the Barkley side a little bit more. Um, I think the thing that really sent it home for me is the the Jared Goff and Sam Howell swap. Um I don't know. That 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 makes me a little nervous cuz Jared Goff has been pretty consistent and I don't think Sam Howell looked great this weekend. Um, he didn't even score a point. Okay. Yeah. He didn't he did not reach he failed to reach one point. Well, that's not good. I think he, he what, threw four, four interceptions, interceptions against yeah. the Buffalo Bills. I do Which, like you know, granted, that's they're they're tied with the Cowboys as the number one defense in fantasy, so that is a tough matchup. But at the same time, they were not the one number one defense going into that game. They're the number one defense because of that game, right? If, right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, I agree with you. I would rather have the end that Max got, and I am also in agreement that what tips the scales for me is the quarterback swap, because I think that you could probably make the argument between Olave and Barkley one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I think in general, I would rather have Olave. So I actually come on the other side of, of you saying Barkley is the best player in the deal. But I also recognize that 
it feels like this year especially that running back has been extremely disappointing as an overall position group. So I think that, you know, in baseball they say tie goes to the runner. I think all else equal uh, in terms of like volume and talent, I would probably give ties to running backs this year. So I think that that's why, you know, for, to me, I can see an argument for Olave or Barkley being the most desirable player in this trade. But what I think that everybody would say is is a consensus um, preference would be Goff over Howell comfortably, yes. not just by a little bit, but comfortably. And then you add on the fact that uh, I think Drake London probably has, in terms of just pure talent, he probably has the talent to be far and away the third best player in this trade behind Olave and Barkley but yes. the, the in terms of like the actual opportunity I want no part of Atlanta pass catchers this year Max actually offered Drake London in a trade to me before this trade happened and it was a very quality offer uh, but I just didn't want any part of Atlanta pass catchers this year so that's a little bit of a bias that I have but uh all that to say, I think that Zach Moss is actually better for fantasy until we know what's going on with Jonathan Taylor than Drake London is. Yes. So so I think that you actually technically have an argument here for, and, and I said that I would take Olave, so I'm really just playing devil's advocate on myself here, but just to make the point, you have an argument for Barkley over Olave. I don't even think it's an argument to just say Goff over Howell. And I think that there's a strong argument that right now you could say Moss over Drake London. Yes. At that point, the only three players left in the deal are David and Joku, Tyler Higby, and Robert Woods, which who cares about those three? So I think, um, you know, not to rip on Scott, he's a former league champion, and I think that he's going to make the playoffs this year. But I think that Max did very well in this deal. I, I, I agree. I think that my one concern, and not to, not to, one's going to out people, but Scott approached me with a similar deal when I still had JT. I just was in a position, I think he even said like, I didn't want to, I'm afraid of giving up big pieces this year, kind of. So I, I was a little gun shy on it. Um, the only other question I have is how Moss performs once Richardson comes back. And I, I have that's to imagine good, yeah, they start protecting question. Richardson a little bit more because now he's gotten injured twice, but you know, I, I just don't know. Um, so Richardson got hurt in week two toward yes. The end of the game, is that right? No, that was week one. Week one, he, on his last like touchdown drive, he got his shit rocked, but not in the, like, he needs to come out. He was just sore. Was right. When did he leave the game in week two? Uh, Do you know? 16 minutes into the game. He played one minute of quarter two, and it's because okay. he got a late hit on a touchdown, and it, it gave him a concussion. Understood. So what I'm looking at is Zach Moss's week two performance, which he scored 20.7 PPR fantasy points. So I was just wondering the context of, you know, the solid week two performance because he he's performed well both weeks that he's played now. Yeah. I just didn't know how much uh, Richardson played that in that does week he, two. Does he have a touchdown in week two? I don't have it in front of me. Week two, yeah, he had a rushing touchdown, and then yeah. this past week, week three, yeah, he had a receiving touchdown. Yeah. I'm wondering that rushing touchdown, because Richardson had the first two touchdowns week one, so he probably got that rushing touchdown because they didn't have Richardson to punch it in. So that that's that would be my only concern, that Richardson vultures sure. those goal line touchdowns. That's a, ver that's a very fair point. Um, I just don't know the upside case, the upside case for Drake London. 
no, I, I, for what it's worth, I, I hundred percent agree with you. I, well, I do know the upside case. He's, he's actually, it's just, like Scott shared this with me himself, and I agree. Like he's as talented as Chris Olave, really, yes. on a pure talent level. But I just don't know what the upside case is with the play calling in Atlanta. Yeah. I, I, and I think that if if London was on any other team, we'd be talking about drafting him in the same like areas. You'd be picking like Olave. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I have Drake London in another league, and I'm very sad about it because <laughs> I like Drake London, but he's just bad for fantasy this year. So at least so far. Well, maybe they'll turn it around. Maybe they'll bench Riddler, Ritter, Ritter. Um, yeah, Heineke I, would be the backup there. But again, I don't know that a quarterback change even saves London or Kyle Pitts. Yeah, the play calling needs to change. That's that's what I shared with Scott because Scott actually. Uh, we were talking about a potential trade and, and not necessarily that he was pushing London on me. I don't want to, uh, like frame it that way, but London was a name that came up and I just basically shared my viewpoint, which is that like, it's, it's not, um, his production this year is not based on who is throwing the ball. It's, it's just all predicated on the play calling. It's the same reason we all thought Bijan would be good leading in because he's in a favorable play calling position. It's really what it boils down to, right? Um, for me. So, and then I guess we'll move to the last trade just to keep things moving along. This was my deal with um, Max for Monty Zay Jones for JT. So I received Zay Jones and Monty, and Max received JT. Uh, I guess you could take this one first. Yeah, I I actually like your side of the deal better. I want to be consistent with my opinion on JT this year, which has basically been that I don't want a part of him. It. I could certainly be wrong about that, but absent of information on how it's actually going to transpire, absent of precedent on how it's going to transpire, I would just lean on the side of conservatism and say that I don't want a risky investment and a costly investment. Like It's it's both risky and costly, in my mind, to... Acquire JT this year, whether you did it in the draft or whether Max, in this case, did it by trade. With complete ambiguity on whether you're going to be rewarded for that cost. Yes. And to me, it could work out, but that's not typically a recipe for success. Right. That's what you would post in the group chat as hopium. Yes. I don't think it's complete hopium because. I think there's like a greater than 25% chance, let's say, that JT comes back and he is a fantasy-relevant player this year. But I also think that there's a less than 50% chance of that happening. So it's like, I don't think it's like totally remote, completely unlikely, but I also wouldn't say it's likely. Yeah. Um. So all that mental gymnastics to say like, Zay Jones and, and David Montgomery are flex-level plays this year when they are healthy and active. I would take two flex players over Jonathan Taylor right now. Yes. And like like you said, they were both hurt, and I, I knew that when I accepted it, but I like their odds of coming back better than I like the odds of JT, and that's why I, I accepted this trade. Um, at the end of the day, like I would love to have JT on my team and him come back and be who he was. For me, the question became like, okay, if he comes back, will he even be the JT we all assume he will be, having missed basically a year and a half of football? Right. He wasn't last year. Right. I had him in 2021 when he was far and away the number one running back. 
Yes. And it was awesome. And then I remember last year he was very disappointing compared to 2021. And by the way, I know we listed these in order of like Scott and Max made a trade and then you and Max made a trade. I believe this was actually reversed. reversed. I think yes. you and you and Max made that trade and then he went out and got Zach Moss. So I will say Max made a very savvy move by securing Zach Moss after getting Jonathan Taylor. I would say he reduced the risk of his investment in Jonathan Taylor by securing Zach Moss yes. in the trade with Scott. Yes. I, I like I liked Scott and Zach's trade. I liked I liked all the moves this week. I'm biased I was in two of them, but I think that nobody had a, a far and away punt trade. Um and honestly I like to see trades in the league. So everybody start trading more. Because I like to see I agree with that. Oh also I feel like I was I kind of feel like I was a little bit too harsh on Scott. I will say this is more by happenstance, but thank God that Scott shored up his wide receiver uh depth and talent a little bit because we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but he just lost his wide receiver two for the entire season. Yes. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. Perfect timing. The only concern now is uh car is hurt. Do we know how bad yet? He has an AC joint sprain. So okay. like a shoulder joint sprain okay. With quarterbacks. I believe that's a little bit more serious, not serious, but like it's a little bit more impactful since they're obviously using their arm every yeah. single play, basically. Um, I think the read on it is that he is going to be week to week with the plan of Jameis Winston starting this week, which to be honest with you, I don't really think that I look at the Saints offense any differently at all, whether yeah. it's Jameis Winston or Derek Carr. No, they're still going to sling it out. Jameis Winston will just throw a couple interceptions. He'll throw four touchdowns and four interceptions. <laughs> so I read somewhere that. Jameis being in may be better for Michael Thomas. I'm not sure what that's based on, and I didn't care to look into what it was based on. But either way, Scott has the top two wide receivers for the Saints. So if it's plus stock for one guy and down, you know, down arrow for the other guy, or vice versa, yeah. as long as the net effect is either zero or somehow better than with Derek Carr, I don't think that Scott probably cares too much. He also has Kamara coming back. He basically yeah. Scott is very invested in this New Orleans offense. Yeah. Um. Cool. So those Kendra Miller too. I think he has Kendra Miller. I believe he does pick up. He did pick up. Come get uh. Come get Jamal Williams, Scott. You can pick up Jawan Johnson off the waiver wire. Jimmy Graham's out there. (laughs) Um. Cool. So I will just kind of move this along then. Um, Next up, we have our matchup review and preview. Um, so generally we, me and Sean run through these and talk about anything we want to call out in the match, Nate. Um, so if there is something, please feel free. First match, we have, uh, Morgoth JC versus Gustavo Fring, Kyron. Kyron won that match 157 to 76. JC loses one or JC at 155. Both got a median win. And I think it's notable here that Kyron got his first two wins this week. Um, so good, good for you, Kyron. I'll happy for you. Yeah, and I would say Kyron is I don't want to say lucky this week to have gotten that win or get, gotten both wins, the the median win and the head-to-head win, but I will say for the outlook of his season, I think he's very fortunate to have picked up not only the head-to-head win but also the median win this week because I am very and he's going to say that if he even listens, I don't even know if he would 
if one, if he listens to the podcast, two, if he would listen this far into the podcast. But <laughs> if he does, sorry, Kyron. I'm just giving you the honest truth here. I am very down on Kyron's team this year. Yeah. He has great players in Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, and Austin Eckler. And and pretty good supporting players too in Godwin, Javante Williams, and George Kittle. Like those are not necessarily guys that I would target, but if they are in a support role, which I think they are on this team, then that is completely fine. What completely sours me on Kyron's roster is the absolute lack of any upside whatsoever with his quarterback room. Yeah. I I have no faith in Jimmy Garoppolo ever being an upside play at quarterback. And I think just based on watching every Steelers game so far this year, you know, I'm obviously a homer, a little bit biased, but I also think that Steelers fans are some of the quickest to to turn on their teams and call a spade a spade. I, under Matt Canada, do not have faith of Kenny Pickett breaking out this year and being a fantasy asset. So I'm just, I'm pretty down on Kyron's team. I, I agree with that. I also don't like, and we were talking about a little bit with Scott, I don't like his exposure to one team, right? He's basically tied his success to the Raiders' success on any given week with Jimmy G, Devontae, and Jacoby Myers. And Josh Jacobs. And Josh Jacobs, yeah. Um, I, as a, like a, just a manager in general, don't like to do that. I don't know if he's a Raiders fan, but I just don't like to tie myself to one team. Um, unless it's the Dolphins. Unless it's the Dolphins last week. <laughs> like, but, but by and large, like, I'm not even a big fan of quarterback stat, stacks um, because if you have a bad week, then you just have a bad week in general, and there's no exposure elsewhere to cover that. Sure. Um, so I, I, for what it's worth, I agree with you. Um, he's got some concerns in his QB room. Hopefully he continues. Maybe Devonte Adams will continue to ball out, but I, I, I don't know if you saw his press conference, but he seems less than pleased with the Raiders in general as well. Um, it's not a good press conference. Um, post-game. I probably would be too. I mean, yeah. they have downgraded their quarterback. Yep. They, I don't know. I'm I'm not high on the Raiders either. I do want to give some some airtime to JC's team. Yeah, I am discouraged for him on his behalf that he did not get a median, or I'm sorry, get the head-to-head win this week, being yeah. a league median winner, but a head-to-head loser, especially after starting 0 and 4. But I would say the antithesis to my opinion on Kyron's team. I actually do have. I don't want to say high hope, but I have sizable hope for JC's team to turn it around. I I like what he's got going on. I think that he has star power at every single position. Josh yeah. Allen in the quarterback room, Ken Walker, and Brees Hall, who I think I don't I don't know if he's going to turn it around in the next say two or three weeks, but I I do think that he is going to be okay on the season. I just think there's too much talent for him not to be. Yeah, in the wide receiver room, AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. You love you love having those two in the same in the same grouping for wide receivers. He is the number one overall tight end so far in TJ Hawkinson. There's just too much talent on his roster yeah. for me to be sour on it, even though he's had a one in five start. Yeah, I I think I agree with you. It just it's one of those things where like sometimes you just keep catching those mad breaks early, and it happens. But what are you gonna do? You know. Um. So, uh, moving on, we have. 
uh, Negan Damon versus Jake Cocaine Bear. Uh, Damon won 179 to 131. Bo, oh, Negan got the median win, and Jake took his first two losses. So I'm, I'm, I've just decided just now that I'm really going to give you a general feeling about everybody's roster as we go through this That's matchup fun. review. Uh, mainly because I will not be back on the podcast regularly. I think I'm coming on like basically every three weeks this year, which is regular enough, but maybe not yep. regular enough that I will be able to share my opinion on everybody's team. Yep. So I'm just going to do that today. I think Damon has a very good team, except for his running back room. Tua and Tyree Kill is the QB wide receiver stack that I'd very much like to have, even though you just mentioned yeah. that you're not really big on on QB wide receiver stacks. I would love that one. Yeah, it's probably an and uh, his wide receivers are insane because behind Tyree Kill, he has Amon Ross, St. Brown, Calvin Ridley, Keenan Allen, Tank Dell on his bench. Jeez, he can't even start Tank Dell. That's yeah. just it's a really good team with a lot of talent. And Jake's team is one of those where I've like had this type of team coming out of a mock draft where it's like quarterback room with a lot of rushing upside. He has Fields and Jordan Love. You have a little bit of a balanced running back room with the big pass catcher or the big pass catching talent in Jameer Gibbs and then more of your traditional ground and pound in Brian Robinson. You have what I would classify as more big big play wide receivers overall as a group with Devontae Smith, Jordan Addison, George Pickens, Travis Kelsey, obviously everybody loves. I guess overall the read that I get from this roster is that it's going to have very wide swings. There's a very high ceiling for a lot of players on this roster, but I don't see a lot of consistent uh, production coming out of this team that could prove me wrong over the course of the year but you know the guys that i'm truly banking on putting up a you know a top let's say i guess it depends on the position because i'm looking at kelsey in particular and when you say a top five uh, finish at the position at tight end it's not really that impressive but if you said top five finish at the position for wide receiver it would be very impressive right right I guess what I'm getting at is like that top end elite consistency. I'm really only seeing one guy that's going to give it to you on Jake's team, and that's Kelsey. Right. I think everybody else is, is I don't want to call them boom or bust, but high variance. Right. And I'm just not really comfortable with that if that's my roster. So I don't necessarily think that Jake has a bad team, but he has a team that I'd be very uncomfortable with. Yeah. I actually, last week on the podcast, I think I joked that he was a fake. 4-0 like I was last year and it's because of that same reason I think that Kelsey will steal a lot of wins for you just because he's good production out of the one position that everybody kind of flounders for production on but I also think we're seeing less of that this year like Hawkinson Laporta is looking like he's going to be a great tight end for the team or for, for a team to have so I don't think that he is necessarily like this this just free 15 points on the, on the roster every week um yeah. So, I don't know. I think that if I was him, I would be looking to shore up some of those um, other positions, like you said. Give me some solid floor guys, basically. I've just, I've also decided that after we finish the matchup review and before we go on to next week's preview, 
I want to give you my off the top of my head after summing up all the thoughts that I have throughout this segment, my impromptu power rankings. Yeah, that's fine. And I'll leave my team. I'll leave my team out of it. That's so fine that with there's me. no bias. That's that works for me. Um, cool. Okay. Do you have thoughts on I, who is his matchup? Oh, we already talked about Morgan. My bad. Um, yep. Cool. So next up, we got Mr. Bateman, Eddie versus Nick and Dracula. And Eddie won 140 to 124, and I believe Eddie got a median win. Eddie did get a median win. He was the fifth highest scorer on the week, I believe. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Eddie is in second place overall. The only uh, the only other person besides my team, or the only other roster besides my team with a 5-1 and one record, which is a great start for Eddie, and honestly, like... For the amount that I have kind of ripped at or jeered at or just joked about Eddie over the past few years, like I honestly am kind of happy to see him have a good start to the year. And I would really like to see him not just squeak through as like a fifth or a sixth seed, but I think it would be really interesting. I won't use any other adjective besides interesting to see what a playoff bracket would look like with Eddie being a top two seed in the league. Yeah. I'm not predicting that, but I would be really interested to see how the year would play out if we saw Eddie finish as a top two team with a first round bye. Um so I guess that that will transition me into talking about his team. I think thank God he dropped Price Young. I'm not sure why he wasted the pick. Uh I think it's fair for me to be a little bit brutally honest at this point with Eddie given the good start I feel like I can now not sugarcoat my analysis of his, of his team <laughs> that was a really bad pick of Bryce Young in the sixth round you literally could have gotten him with the, with the last pick and then he could have been dropped like he has already been um, but that's a sunk cost you've already lost that opportunity so no reason to dwell on it and you didn't you did exactly what you should have done which is drop him I'm not sure that Baker Mayfield is the answer, but I think now you've given yourself the flexibility to figure it out, play around with the position, stream a couple quarterbacks until you do figure it out, or maybe you make a trade. He struck gold with Kyron Williams. Uh, I know he didn't have a good game this past week, but I think he was targeted seven times in the passing game. So even with a down performance, you're encouraged by that. And he has some star power himself. I was just talking about, uh, who was it? JC's team having a few stars that I would be encouraged with him turning his season around or the, the prospects of him turning his season around. Well, Eddie's five and one and also has that star power. So I'm I'm kind of encouraged about him not dropping off with Justin Herbert, Travis Etienne, Stefan Diggs. Those are the main three that I'm very encouraged about. But even uh even his bench, I think, has some upside. I'm not really sure why he started Joshua Kelly over Alexander Madison. There's that big Joshua Kelly meme that always goes around Twitter every single year when he gets like one or two weeks of an opportunity. But uh, he has Alexander Madison sitting on the bench who has upside. Well, I don't know what he's going to look like with Cam Akers, but I think he'll be fine. Sky Moore has upside. So not the deepest team, but I I think Eddie has a pretty good team. Nick's team, I think he might have found his answer at quarterback two with CJ Stroud. Yeah. Uh, CJ Stroud has looked really good this year. He had a little bit of a down week this past week. Actually, I'm wrong about that. I was looking at his projected total. He scored almost 21 points this week, and he's actually uh, scored 20 plus points in two of his first three weeks. So like I said, I think Nick might have found his answer there. I think Nick only needs help at wide receiver, which he put out to the public 
he's looking for one, so he, he's actively looking to address that. These are some obligatory thoughts at this point. Nick Nick always knows that I think pretty highly of his teams because generally I think that he's pretty good at crafting roster rosters. Yeah. I I like Nick's roster. I like Eddie's roster too. The one thing that I will say about Eddie's roster, and maybe it's just my internal biases, I look at it, his roster and I just don't see a five and one roster. I mean, he's got Diggs and Herbert, but I think that I talked about this a little bit before. I really feel like this year it's the turning of the guard with a lot of these, especially running back rooms. Um, all the good running backs are, are are hurt, and we're seeing like that next generation of running backs kind of crop up. Um, and so yep. I, I do think we'll see like Kyron Williams a lot moving forward. But and I think that's why it looks so foreign to me when I look at it, if that makes any type of sense, because it doesn't to me. Um, no, it does. It does. I think that Nick honestly has a more complete roster than Eddie. And yet, I think it makes more sense. Well, how do I want to say this so that it actually makes sense? I think that you can justify a better start to the season for Eddie than you can for Nick. And that's how it's actually played out. He's Eddie's 5-1, and one, Nick's 3-3. Three and three. Right. I think that Nick has the more complete team, but looking at the way that Eddie's roster shapes up, I can understand why he has had the better start to the season because I almost think that this team, this roster of Eddie's, could be a better small sample size team than a team that's more complete, which would I which I would expect to perform better over a large sample. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I think it doesn't help too with Nick. Like Joe Burrow started out like molasses, like he's playing in tar. Like you can't expect to get eight. You can't draft Joe Burrow and then get nine points out of him basically and then expect to be in a great spot. Yeah, he's been bad. He's been bad. And um, I was joking about it in the group yesterday, but I am nearly certain that if Joe Burrow doesn't turn it around by next week's game, that he will find his way onto somebody else's fantasy roster by I'll say week six mm-hmm. before the bye week for the Bengals. I can nearly guarantee that Nick will trade him if he does not turn it around next game. That uh, that happened last year. Eddie drafted Joe Burrow, traded him away after a slow start, and then Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow blew up. Um, I don't know why. I well, he trade he traded him to Nick, yeah. Nick, and then Nick flipped Burrow to Damon for Lamar. Okay. So okay. Joe Burrow was tr- traded twice last year, really before he actually like blew up to superstardom. Yeah, and then Lamar got hurt for the last yep. what, six weeks or something like that. And Joe Burrow went bananas. Yep. Um, cool. I, I do apologize. I actually skipped one, so we'll, we'll back pad a little bit. We have Norman Bates, Sean Cowles versus Pennywise, Kevin. And Kevin demolished Sean at 210 to 140. Um, yeah. Um, this is going to be very conflicting because... How can you really speak ill of a team that put up over 200 points? But in a similar way that you said that Jake was a fraud at 4-0, I think, and it's like, I'm being so contradictory because he's only 3-3, and so it's not like he's even benefiting in the standings necessarily to the extent of how highly his team performed this past week. But I think... Think 
that he is a fraudulent pop-off roster. And what I mean by that is that if you look at the box score of this matchup, 76.7 points of the 210.6 total points that were scored from his team were from Adam Thielen (laughs) and Raheem Mostert. Right. If I told you that Adam Thielen and Raheem Mostert were going to combine to average 25 fantasy points per game the rest of the season from this point forward, not including the first three weeks so far, you would say what? What would your your reaction be to that? Yeah, I guess knowing what I know about Mostert in this season, I would think that Mostert had 25 points and Adam Thielen had like one. Um, but I honestly, I probably wouldn't even expect that much. You know what I mean? Like, I, I so so you wouldn't be surprised. No, no, no. In other words, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that I guess I'm kind of taking the other position. Like, Miami seems to be using Mostert. I don't know how the hell Adam Thielen got anywhere near 31 points. Is what I'm trying to say here. I, I don't think that they would hit 25. Or, Mostert would hit 25. So I agree with your original premise, but I also don't think Thielen would have any of the points that the two of them are cured. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're basically not counting on Thielen to be a reliable option, but you do think that Mostert, there's some credence to his performance well, so far. Well, they're using him. I think is re- like Miami is using Mostert enough. I think he put up like 15 or 16 against me. So mm-hmm. I, I do think Mostert will get more usage to be relevant. I don't think that you'll ever sniff 20, 15 points with Thielen again. Yeah, I I think Kevin has a good team. I think he has a good team. I don't think that he has the type of team that is going to put up 200 points multiple times in a season, which, to be fair, that is a very challenging thing to do, is to have a roster that scores over 200 points multiple times in a season. Yeah. But I guess my thought, whenever I see somebody put up that many points, is Geez, that is a team that I do not want to see in the playoffs. Right. I don't look at Kevin's team yet at this point and think, oh boy, that is not a team that I want to see in the playoffs. Right. I think that this was a little bit more fluky than that. I would have to be convinced by some more boom performances, maybe even just, just one more, really, to be convinced that it wasn't fluky, mainly because a third of the team score came from the most unlikely sources in Raheem Mostert and Adam Thielen. I, I, I agree with that. I think my other big thing is I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to get this type of scoring that often. I, I don't think so either. Maybe I'm, I'm not a Deshaun Watson guy. Yeah, maybe I, it's the Browns in me, but I think Deshaun Watson looked like absolute trash whenever he played against us, and it's just the fact that the Titans don't have a secondary that let him throw the ball like he did. And I think... Sad to say, because I have him in our keeper league, but I don't think that Dak is anything more than like above average anymore for fantasy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not encouraged by unless they figure out their red zone problems. He might even be just average. <laughs> I, I don't. We'll want see. Dak. We'll I, see. I don't want Dak for what it's worth. Uh, for Sean Cowell's side, Daniel Jones and the Giants just have to figure it out. Yeah, his team is going to be. Very high variance until that offense can get in any kind of rhythm because Daniel Jones has scored four points, 31 points, and four points. 
and you're just not going to come out on the winning side very often if you're getting less than five points out of one of your two quarterbacks. Yeah, I think that I think that Sean Seam is kind of middle of the, middle of the pack. To be honest, overall, there's some star power with Hertz, Tony Pollard, Debo. I don't really like a lot of the supporting pieces behind those three players. Yeah, I I like I like the upside of Brown if the the Cardinals keep playing well and Kyler comes back and looks good, Brown will be a good good pickup. I think Hertz has looked really human this year. Um and I don't want any part of like Daniel Jones or even Cook in Buffalo. I I, I like Cook, but I also don't like the fact that Josh Allen vultures all his goal line touchdowns. So I agree with that. And Latavius Murray. Yes. And I'm also going to make a hot take here mm-hmm. and say the Cardinals offense, if Kyler Murray comes back, is going to be worse off as a whole. Do you think he'll try to use his legs too much? No, I just think that he's going to come back and not be as good as everybody's expecting him to be. Yeah. When that offense is actually already doing pretty well. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I, I think, I think that they will get a slight bump. Um, but they just put twenty eight up on the on the number one defense in the league. Yeah, I think the, the Cowboys looked really bad though. <laughs> they did. They, they did. They didn't look like they were playing right, if that makes sense. But not to take away from from what you're saying, because the Cardinals have come out ahead at half in every game they've played this year. I think it was the statistic that I saw. So I, I, they're starting strong. They're just not finishing strong. It's basically what my impression of their offense is right now. The Jets and trade for uh, Josh Dobbs. <laughs> the pastor not. Um, yep. I still think we should have kept Josh Dobbs as our backup, but that's my my Steelers homer take. Um, okay, next up we have me versus Scott. So Scott won 144.8 to my 142.96. Uh, both of us lost to the median Scott by like a, a touchdown on the last meaningful play of football this weekend. Okay. So this is a little bit of a different one where I don't want to look at the box score. I want to go to Scott's roster since the players on his team have changed since this matchup transpired. Look at his new roster. And I am not biggest fan of what I'm seeing. Yeah. I'm very conflicted because Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, that is a great running back room. Despite all three probably being past their prime, maybe not Joe Mixon. He's he's a little bit hard for me to read personally. I know I'm not going to necessarily make a statement or, or a declaration on Joe Mixon. He's hard for me to read personally. Yeah. I think it's probably safe to say Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones are a little bit past their prime. Not to say that they're not relevant or that they're bad, but I think that they're past their prime. But those are still three guys that you're very happy with being your, you know, composing your running back room, Joe Mixon, Kamara, Aaron Jones. And then despite his horrible game last night with a couple really bad drops, T Higgins, Chris Olave, and Michael Thomas, I guess also Drake London, but we've already talked about him. That's not the worst case scenario you could have for a wide receiver room. Now, if you had just two of those guys, I would be extremely nervous. But having that extra buffer with the third guy, not so bad. Now, obviously, there's the caveat that Scott just lost a huge contributor in Mike Williams. So that's obviously 
impacting my analysis of his team. But all that to say, I you know I think he has a good running back room. I think that he has a very passable wide receiver room that it passes because of the talent. It lacks because of the depth. So then I look to what the rest of the cast looks like. I am not a Lamar guy. I read somewhere recently that he is the only top six to eight quarterback, the only elite quarterback was the point, that could give you 40 points or he could give you five points. And I think that's very true with Lamar. I think that he is like the only guy that, absent of an injury, could go out there and and literally win you or lose you the week yep. himself. Yeah. Whereas I think with the other elite quarterback options, and I'm not considering Justin Fields elite, so I think that maybe he's another example of this, but I don't consider him elite like I would Lamar, that uh, has such a high variance. And you'll kind of notice a theme with my analysis. I'm not a big high variance guy. Uh, at least that's that, they don't nece- that doesn't necessarily suit my taste. So I don't really love Scott's quarterback room with Lamar being the main feature. I don't think that Sam Howell is good enough to lift Lamar up in his bad weeks. So I think that Scott's team is middle of the pack, but maybe comes out slightly ahead of, of the true center point, the true average. Right. Um, Sean's team, on the other hand, I can quickly go back to the box score because he did not make a trade and completely change his team. Yep. The only meaningful difference is Montgomery will play. <laughs> Instead of Najee. oh, what am I what am I talking about? We already we just talked about Sean's team. Yeah, we're talking about me, not other Sean. Oh, oh, it took me to week four. He Scott and Sean Cowles play. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I see what you're saying. I'm sorry. You did make trades, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but I think that your trades processed before the week happened, yes. so we can still go through the box score here. Uh, Mahomes and Richardson, I love that. I think that you probably have the number one quarterback room when Richardson's healthy. I think that you're probably just going to have to eat the L on Najee and Jalen. I don't think that either of them are going to be anything more than like a flex two play for probably the whole season, unless one of them gets hurt. And even if one of them gets hurt, I'd probably say it would have to be Najee for the other to become really relevant. Because even if like Warren got hurt, I don't really think that that means anything good for Najee nope. necessarily. Um, CD Lamb and Puka, I think that's great. I just think that you're going to have to work to improve your flex options because I'm not in love with any of DJ Moore, Gabe Davis, David Montgomery, or Zay Jones. I think they're all fine to like rotate in and play matchups, but I don't love them necessarily. But again, it, it kind of reminds me of my team in the playoffs last year. I, I had, I think, Jalen Hurts and. Kirk Cousins as my quarterback room. Yeah. And that was like the feature of my team was the quarterback room. That's that's very similar to how your team is built right now. So I I, I like your team. I like my team too. I like I'll tell you what I like more than anything, Nate. I feel like Mahomes and Richardson give me a solid floor of forty to fifty points. Like I yeah, feel like And that's a great base to start with every single week. Right. I basically guarantee myself, in my mind, forty to fifty points with Mahomes and Richardson. Right. And then I'm really just looking for everybody else to not put up donuts or like single digit points. Um, the problem that I have, if I can speak to my own team just a little bit, DJ Moore is such a catch 22 for me right now. Technically, he's averaging 10 points a week, right? He's put up 29 points in three weeks. Both of his or his points last week 
this, I guess this most recent week, was a garbage time touchdown, which if he didn't have, he would have put up like three points. The week previous, when he put up 16 points, was entirely on the first drive of the game and the first drive after the half, the scripted drives, right? So I just don't, I have no idea how to evaluate him. He's probably my strongest flex player if he's catching the football. I would agree with that. But if he doesn't catch the football, then he's completely useless, and I don't trust Fields to throw him the ball. I think that a completely healthy David Montgomery could be big for your team. Yes. I... Not necessarily as a flex either. No. I think that he might be your running back too I'm gonna be, when he's healthy. I'm gonna be, and this might be my hottest, not hottest take, because you'll probably agree with it, but my hottest take is that David Montgomery is the not, like is RB1 in, in Detroit. I don't think they're ever going to get the usage that Gibbs was drafted at for like fantasy purposes. Yeah, I think it's, I think David Montgomery is... 2022 Jamal Williams and Jameer Gibbs is a lesser version of 2022 DeAndre Swift. Yes. Yes. And I think that with how powerful that offense is, I think it'll put David Montgomery in a bunch of scoring positions. And I think that he's got a lot of upside for me. Like on any given week, he could put up 20 points if he punches it in. If he gets. You know, and I think that. Good. I'm I'm just going off of anecdote here. I don't actually have statistics to back this up. And sorry for cutting you mm-hmm. off, but just to jump in and support the point even more. I think that like inside the 10 or inside the five, just, just from my observations, watching the lions, that they are a very run heavy offense near the goal line. Yes. It's like, they'll pass a lot. Jared Goff is a great fantasy quarterback. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is obviously great for fantasy because of the volume. It seems like Sam Laporta is actually going to be a stud, which is exciting because tight end is a wasteland. Yes. But when they get near the goal line, the Lions seem to be very dedicated to the running game. Mm-hmm. And they've got the offensive line to do that. They have the offensive line to enforce their will in like the within the 10 and the 5. And they trust Monty to punch that ball in the last five yards. Um, and so I'm confident that he will be a strong contributor. So much so that he's basically going to replace Najee in my week, like week to week, unless something happens. You know? So. Yep. That, that's my take on it for what it's worth. Um, I definitely feel like I have some growth to do in my team, but I'm also actually pretty happy and confident that my me being two and four is up. And this might be just like self cope, so bear with me. Is a product of bad luck more so than it is. You might be in a better spot than when you were six and zero last year. At this point, I agree. I think that two. It's it's week one was a loss for me because the Dallas Cowboys got so far ahead, they shut down CD lamb. And then this week was a loss because lamb put up 10 points because the Cowboys just couldn't put it together all all game. Yep. Um, Logistically, you're obviously not in a better spot, but I think that the state of your roster, if I recall your team from last year, three weeks into the season correctly, that I think I would rather have your team from this year. I agree. than the one from last year. Yes, I agree. Um, So, uh, I guess that it, one more. Yeah, one more. You versus Max. Uh, you put up one forty-seven to Max's one twenty. Uh, Nate stole the median win, like we've said. Probably. Yeah, I got the job done. I'm, you know, I don't even really. Maybe this is a luxury at this point, but I don't even really get excited when I cross like a hundred fifty points. At this point of my ten- tenure in this league, I think like to me. 
160 points is really like my personal threshold for what is a good week. Uh, I would say like 150 is get the job done territory. 160 is good. Below 150, if you get a league median win, you got lucky. Yeah. So I would say that I got lucky to get the league median win this week. And I won't really speak to my team too much because I just don't really feel the need to this year. I, you know, my t- I, I just don't really feel the need to, honestly. Max's team, I like in theory. I like Trevor Lawrence in theory. I like Christian Watson in theory. I like Damon Pierce in theory. Those are guys that, given where they were drafted, Trevor Lawrence in the second round, Damon Pierce in the fourth round, Christian Watson in the fifth round, all drafted by Max, should be the anchors of his team. But in the case of Pierce and Lawrence, they just haven't looked good so far this year. Mm-hmm. And in the case of Watson, he hasn't even played yet this year. So I think that more so than any other roster in the league, his team is TBD for me. Yeah, I like it in theory. I feel like I haven't gotten a chance, or at least the sample of games hasn't been large enough yet. For me to feel actually comfortable assigning a level of, like, I like this team or I don't like this team. Justin Jefferson is obviously a super stud, and I and I love Jared Goff in fantasy relative to his cost. Yes. But the other pieces, the other features of his team, I just think I need to see more of before I really formulate an opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um I think his he has team- Barkley and Jonathan Taylor on his IR. Jeez, I didn't even say those two guys. I'll let you touch on them. Yeah, if you'd that's like. what I, was, I, I, I think we 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 hashed our feelings out on JT. Um, Barkley, I do like coming back. My my biggest concern with Barkley, and obviously he can perform. I hate guys like that on a bad offense, right? Because it just feels to me always like it's very easy to game plan against that. Probably the same problem I have with DJ Moore is like. They just have to shut down DJ Moore, and Fields won't pass him the ball. But obviously, Barkley is extremely talented. I think in his first, in this one good game, he put up like twenty-one or twenty-two points. I'm not looking at it right now. Um, but I like twenty-seven. Excuse me. I like him. I think he'll be great. I think he's an immediate upgrade over Pierce or Moss. Um, if Lawrence puts it together, his team will be probably be pretty scary. If I'm going to be honest with you. I just don't know. I don't. I, I. I was high on Lawrence. I've kind of come back around to. I just kind of think Lawrence is fine. Um. So I, I. I don't know. It's tough. I think that he has the potential to be a very, very strong team, or potential to be a very, very not strong team, bad team. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're kind of saying what I said I in a different way. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So I think we're kind of in a similar spot on yeah. our viewpoint with Max's team. I, I will. So I will give you the promised power rankings off the top of my head and this is a little bit tough to do because what i really wish is that i could see all the teams in front of me at once Mm. um obviously i cannot do that so what i'm gonna do is just peruse through them and ranking quadrants but i guess order them a little bit impromptu i'm not going to include my team in this i'm going to say number one in my power rankings is damon's team negan number two in my power rankings. And I think that this is going to come as a surprise. But 
Morgoth, JC's team, and this is I'm 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 throwing the standings and and records up to this point completely out the window. This is if the season started today. Mm-hmm. I want Damon's roster number one. I want JC's roster number two. After that, I am going to go, and this is going to be contradictory of probably what I said when we were discussing his team, but I'm going to go Kevin number three. So then after that, I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go, this is where it starts to get murky. I think this is where you can really make an argument for three or four teams to go in this spot after off the board was Damon's team, JC's team, and Kevin's team. I am going to say here that Eddie's team is going to come in at number four for me. Sean, your team, Sean Boatwright's team, will be number five for me. And it's a very unconventional number five because typically I do not rank teams that don't really have much depth, or I should say much... Much reliable depth. That's a good way to put it. Very highly, but I think that your quarterback room props you up in a unique way that other people I don't think have the benefit of leaning on. So I'm going to put you fifth. Nick is going to be sixth in my power rankings. I think he has a good team, and I think that maybe his team has the biggest propensity to or the biggest potential to rise over the course of time. I think that his team was the one that I called out as over a larger sample, I would expect his team to perform better than say Eddie's, who's my current number four is a good, I think small sample size team, a good boom potential team, if you will, is another way of saying that. So Nick, I said sixth, I'm going to put, Oh geez. This is where it gets getting down to the nitty gritty here. Mm. process of elimination I'm going to put Max's team 7th I'm going to put Scott's team 8th and I think that that's really just due to personal tastes I'm just not a big Lamar guy and that has a lot to do with it for me personally Number nine, I think that I'm probably lower on than if you took a, a consensus ranking of every team in the league. I bet that he, his team would come in much higher than ninth if you averaged together everybody's power rankings. But I'm going to put Jake at number nine. So that leaves Cowles and that leaves Kyron. I'm definitely going to put Kyron last. Sorry, Kyron. So that would put uh, Sean Cowles 10th. Okay. Um we're missing one. Then. Is Cooper Cup? We did not talk about Cooper Cup at all. If Cooper Cup comes back and is healthy, that is a huge difference for Sean's team. I huge difference for Sean's team. But currently, I have him tenth. My scalding hot take is that they don't rush Cooper Cup back because they've got Tutu Atwell and Puka playing and Kyron playing out of their minds. They would, would rather have Cooper Cup get healthy all the way than rush him back to be like quasi competitive. That's my scouting hot take. I'm probably. I don't even think that's a hot take. I think that that's very reasonable. So let me recap really quick if I can remember them in order. I did not write them down. Damon, number one. JC, number two. 
Kevin number three. Who did I put number four? I took notes. You remember? Uh, you have Eddie Bateman. Mr. Bateman, Eddie, at number four. Okay, Eddie was number four. Your team was number five, yes. I believe. Yep. Nick was number six. Mm-hmm. Max was number seven. Scott was number eight. Jake was nine. Sean Cowles was ten. And then Kyron was, Kyron was number eleven. Yeah. Um, but you, you, you graciously didn't rank yourself. Uh, I will put in where I would think you would go. I would probably have you below Damon above JC just because I think Damon, it's got such a good receiving room that it's going to be very, very hard to beat on any given week. Um, it reminds me of Kevin's team from last year. Yes. Kevin had, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Lockett. I think he had Jamar chase and I think DK. Yeah. I don't know if that sounds right, but I know that he had the first three for sure. Right. No, yes, I think that that's close. Um, but it's one of those. I mean, I, I can pull up his team right now. You have the power. Um, it, oh my gosh, he had Jamar Chase and Tyree Kill. Oh my gosh. And then his flexes were Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Tyler Lockett. Yeah. And Tyler Lockett was no slouch. He finished as wide receiver thirteen last year, so basically a wide receiver one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, he had four wide receiver ones essentially. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but he ended up losing. It's it's he did it's funny. he did but that's what Damon's team reminds me of so far this year yeah I and and not to to get us stuck here but I, I do think Damon's biggest struggle is going to be when it starts to cool down and people look at running backs to really like score them points because I actually saw a chart and I, I probably find it but there is a very clear like decrease in receiver points the later in the season it goes um interesting yes it's like very i can pull it up I'll, I'll dig it up for you nate so you can take a look at it but it is like as it gets colder it's an almost like perfect slant down in terms of what a receiver will score given on any given week um well, give it good thing he has uh amandra st brown and tyree kill yep and <laughs> yeah, right keenan allen right. so two warm weather wide receivers in their home stadiums in a dome wide receiver yes. yeah i, I... And, and calvin ridley Florida. Well, I'm I'm probably but they do play on the road. They do play on the road. So I'm also probably lower on Calvin Ridley than a lot of people, um, and not because Calvin Ridley's bad, but because I just I don't think Trevor Lawrence has got it. So that's fair. Um, yeah, we can quick we can go through the matchup preview much quicker. I I, I can just give you my kind yeah, of headline. That's fine with me. I picked this guy to win. Yep. Uh, so for matchup preview, we've got Jake versus me. Let me look at the preview in the box score projections. Yep. I just want to see where it falls. It has you losing this matchup. Keep in mind, I'm going to oh. say that you pull off the hypothetical upset here. I'm going to pick you to win that one. I, I agree. Um, I think that they continually undersell Puka Nakua's points, but that's my own bias. So, uh, Don't they have him projected for like 16? 15. I think that's kind of fair. Uh, 14.5. Okay. Okay, maybe that is underselling a little bit. Um and then next up we've got Damon versus JC. Ooh, my number one and two. I have some insider information that will lead me to pick JC for this matchup. Oh, there must be a big trade. Um next uh, I for what it's worth, I'm I'm going Damon. I just I, I think that his team is too strong. Um, next up, we've got Nick versus Kyron. Yeah, this one's not hard. I'm going to pick Nick. Yeah, it's easy. I'll take Nick, too. 
Um, for what it's worth, Kyron's projected to win this matchup. But yeah, but that's propped up by not, not close for me. I, I don't and Eckler and Eckler potentially playing or maybe not. I, we'll I, see. I thought he was out to the bye. That's what I thought, but they're projecting him to score twenty fantasy points for Kyron. Oh, so that's a big reason I think why ESPN is projecting Kyron to win. Good. But I'm going to pick Nick. Good for you, Kyron. Yeah, I'm also going to pick Nick. Um, next up, we've got Mr. Bateman, Eddie versus Max. <laughs> I am going to pick, mm, I'm going to pick Eddie, Yep, I think. Same. Um, reason being, uh, I, I don't have a lot of faith in Zach Moss when Richardson gets back. I, I just have this weird gut feeling that, that he won't get as many looks. So, um, next up we have Scott versus Sean. I'm going to pick. Scott here. Okay. I uh I will also choose Scott. And then last one is you versus Kevin. I'm gonna pick at uh Kevin here. Are you just not much hesitation actually about that one? Yeah, are you just being modest? No. 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 I I I am definitely contradicting what I said when I was kind of sharing my viewpoint on his team. However, I that is not to say that I don't think his team is good, clearly, because I ranked him number three on my power rankings, and I just have a feeling this week that he is going to win. Okay, I, I'm going to go with you, because I don't have that feeling, so I think you're going to win. Um, I hope so. I hope so for you. I am not looking to reverse jinx this. Yeah. I hope I win. I hope I win, too. I would really like to take the win and go back to eat 500. Um. All right, so the last the last one we have uh, uh, this real quick segment as well, Nate. So we can start to wrap this up. Something Sean and yep. I started um, as a guest. We just kind of want to know what about fantasy grinds your gears more than anything. It can be anything from you know the way people trade or to waiting for Sunday to play. You know. Yeah, I will go a different route than maybe what would be expected for me, and I'll say what grinds my gears is studs that in a week that you particularly need them to be their studly selves due to external opportunity are not their studly selves. So I'll give a good example that didn't actually impact me last night, but it impacted Scott. T. Higgins got, I believe it was eight targets and I think he caught two balls yep. for around 20 yards. And Scott didn't even really need... Okay, he had two receptions for 21 yards. I was very close on eight targets. Scott didn't even really need T. Higgins to be a stud last night. He just needed him to be basically not a complete zero. And that's essentially what he was. I believe if T. Higgins would have caught those two balls... That ended up being horrendous drops for him. They basically hit him in the hands and then in the chest. Went through his hands and hit him in the chest two times. I believe that would have made the difference in Scott not only taking the head-to-head win against you, but also the league median win and being four and two instead of three and three. And that obviously would have knocked me down to four and two as well. That is potentially, you know, we'll see how the season plays out. There's still plenty of time left, but. You don't know if that's a you don't you don't know at this point in the season three weeks in if that's going to be the difference between Scott making the playoffs and missing them, 
Scott being a three through six seed and having to play in round one versus being a number one or number two seed and getting a bye. That's huge stuff. And it drives me insane when that happens, where it's like, good example for my team is Garrett Wilson. I spent a second round pick on the guy, and I don't know when I'm going to be able to consistently rely on him again. And that's not because Garrett Wilson's bad. He's a complete stud. It's due to external circumstance where it's like his quarterback got hurt and now I'm kind of screwed. That stuff just drives me nuts. It drives me nuts when things that are out of my control do not go my way because I don't feel that they're reflective of the skill of the manager. In Scott's case with T. Higgins being a complete dud last night, in my case with Garrett Wilson's quarterback getting hurt for the season, you could name probably plenty more examples. Of course, Nick Chubb and Mike Williams being two more guys that get hurt for the entire season. That's the worst case scenario. Uh, That stuff drives me nuts because I think it's a disservice to the manager, but obviously we don't live in an ideal world where if the, the skill of the manager is always rewarded. Yes. You know, just to add that, that, that is the one thing that makes me mad too. I'm usually pretty good. Like if I just get beat, like that happens, but like looking at my, from yesterday, and I'm just like, of course, I lose by a point, and CD Lamb puts up ten points. Like I, I expect fifteen points at least out of him on any given week, and it just drives me absolutely bonkers to when I see that. It frustrates me. It makes me angry. I probably need help with not being so angry at fantasy, but that's a whole other conversation. So, yeah, have you seen the uh, the memes on Twitter of Kevin James, the stock photo image yeah. recently? I sent one to the group. Yeah, yeah. The one that I sent to the group is actually the one that I'm about to bring up. It's hilarious. It's like not me about to let my imaginary football team determine my mood for the entire week. (laughs) It's Kevin James smiling with the hands in the pockets. That is totally me. Yep. Yep. And then you're waiting for the weekend so you can redeem yourself on Sunday again. Uh, You're itching for for football to start. Um, Okay. Uh, That last section is just news. Uh, Me and Sean usually rip through these with little commentary yeah. so if you want to go ahead and just rip through them Nate. no i have no commentary yeah, that's fine. other than sad yeah so uh mike williams tears acl he's likely out for the remainder of the season so sorry scott unfortunately he, he, he is out yes yeah he, he likely is back. <laughs> probably the bad word he tore his acl he's not coming back um additional chub news i put on the notes here acl he tore he only tore his mcl so it looks like he will return within six to eight months and it's not a career ending injury, which is awesome. Um, you know, that was a pretty horrifying injury to see. So I'm glad it wasn't as bad as we thought. Last up is, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to mispronounce this name in the worst possible way. So I apologize, everybody. I'll say it. Trevor Semyon. Okay. Thank you so much. Signed to the Jets practice squad. Um, how much longer, uh, that was a note that I put for myself. Oh, sorry. Hopefully, some relief for Zach, or excuse me, for Garrett Wilson, and we don't have to suffer through Zach Wilson. You know, whatever he does. No, I, I wrote. I actually wrote did, this yeah. one. I, I wanted to ask you, how much longer do you think we are going to have to suffer and watch Zach Wilson be the quarterback for the New York Jets? Uh, two weeks, maybe this week, and then one more week to really prove it. Because uh, Salea really seems married to Zach Wilson for some reason. But I was listening to the fantasy footballers podcast earlier today, and they said that they think that he is going to get a hangnail. They are going to place him on the IR mm-hmm. and then they are going to cut him 
after he does not come back and reclaim the starting job. Zach Wilson, that is. All right. I mean, he probably so... deserves to be cut. He's bad. He's bad, bad at yeah, football. Yeah, he's proven time and time again that he's terrible. Yeah, so is Justin Fields. So, um, all right, everybody, that that's it. Uh, next week, Sean will be back. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Nate. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you and your your your, your biting insight on on the podcast. Uh, we'll see you again in thanks a few for having weeks. Me. Otherwise, good luck this week, everybody, and we will see you next week. Later.